The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Healthy Ireland Survey for 2023 today marks its publication. It's the eighth uh, such survey uh, published by the Department of Health. What it shows is, like, relative to the world, we are an incredibly healthy people. I think, first and foremost, that's what we need to acknowledge. Uh, There are some really interesting uh, things, though, that are worthy of focus on within the survey. And with me to do so is Mary Butler, who's Minister of State in the Department of Health with a special responsibility for mental health and older people. She's a Fianna Fáil TD, of course, as well. Minister, you're welcome to the show. Um, we might start with, the, there is a huge amount in this, um, but we might start with your own bailiwick of mental health. So there's been some improvement in in uh, people's kind of perceptions of their own mental well-being since COVID, but it's still below pre-COVID levels. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Well, firstly, in relation to the Healthy Ireland survey, it gives us an up-to-date picture of the health of the nation, which is really, really important. And I suppose it's interesting to note that 80% of people um, report being in good or very good health. I also think it's important to state that there were 7,500 people um, contacted. So it is a large sample. So, you know, the the results are are pretty accurate, um, I would feel. The average uh, positive mental health score is up from 2021 during COVID, but we haven't gone back to where we were in 2015 prior to COVID. A lot of people, I suppose, still have a lot of issues that they would have built up during COVID. And it wasn't surprising. I wasn't surprised with the statistics because over the last few years, for example, we have seen 33% more referrals of young people into CAMS 2021-2022, which is a huge amount. It's It's an increase of a third. And like last year, for example, CAMS would have provided 225,000 appointments to young people, the length and breadth of the country. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, it represents what we're seeing on the ground. Yeah, because, and and I don't want to... Kind of bore people with kind of too many numbers or bombard mm. them with too many numbers. If they want to read them, if they go to the Department of Health website, they'll, they'll find all the information or just Google the Healthy Ireland Survey 2023 and you'll get the links. But within the the population, that age demographic, 15 to 24, young men and women, they report much more negative mental health yeah. than older groups. Yeah, it's, it can be a very, very challenging time. And, and I think we have to remember that a lot of that age group missed out on school for possibly two years. They missed out on their first couple of years in college. Mm. They didn't have that college on campus experience. And we, we, are, we are seeing that. But I suppose what is a good... Yeah, despite that, though, the same group uh, uh, elsewhere in the study mm. are, are the most socially connected. They are. So, so the, yeah. the, the, the lowest levels of loneliness yeah. uh, within that group, yeah. but the highest... Uh, levels of negative mental health. I suppose one of the areas that did concern me the most was loneliness and the fact that an awful lot of older people have Mm. not reconnected. And I just thought 4% of people surveyed reported being lonely all of the time. That's a really worrying statistic. We have an ageing population with three quarters of a million people aged over 70 and if 4% of them feel lonely all the time. Uh, It's a worry. This week we would have launched our our Hello Again World campaign, encouraging older people to reconnect with society. You know, whether it's a day centre, whether it's an active retirement group, men's sheds are a phenomenal resource. But some people, Kieran, have not been able to take that step since COVID to reach back out. They got used to people, whether it was collecting their pension or doing their shopping for them. Especially older people have found it hard to reconnect. And that's borne out again in this, which is... You know, I suppose it's it just shows that there's a lot of challenges still out there. Yeah, and and four percent 
you know, isn't a huge number, but as people say, a small percentage of a big number is a big number. So it I mean, 4% of the population, it's over 200,000 people it's who feel lonely all of, of the time. time. Not yeah. sometimes, not a lot of the time, all but all the time. the time, which is quite yeah. sad. And 2% saying they had nobody close to them that they could count on in a time of need. Yeah. Again, you know, so there's a lot of people. You can be in the busiest street in Dublin yeah. or you can be down um, in, in, in the southeast of the country. And you mightn't see anybody from one day to the next. Yeah, and often people talk about, you know, the internet and social media and perceptions of connectedness without real connectedness. I wonder to a degree as well, is it a consequence of of there just being more um, two-parent working families in the country as well? That just people have less time. That you go back a generation or two, there was one pa- one parent, inevitably, or, or, or more often than not, the mother who was at home and just had more spare time during the day. It was easier to pop in on neighbours. There was more of a community there 24-7 as opposed to a couple of hours every evening when people get in from the office. Absolutely. And you have a lot of couples that are working shift work and, you know, they're working at different times to try and accommodate, you know, looking after their children. And everybody, I just find everybody is busy. Everybody has a busy lifestyle. And, you know, there are some people that don't have that same busy lifestyle and they're nearly standing back and they're wondering, can they step back into the world again? Mm. And we are seeing a lot of loneliness out there. And of course, that leads on then to, you know, social anxiety um, and it leads on to, in cases, sometimes it can lead on to mental health challenges. Yeah, so you've got a lot of people feeling lonely all the time or a lot of the time Mm. or some of the time and yet they don't tick the box in the same survey to report that they've got kind of mental health problems. Mm. They're more likely to take it as a young person. Owen has texted in to suggest that um, older generations might be slow to admit they're unhappy. They might admit a bit of loneliness, they're slow to admit they're unhappy. And it's the reason it's higher among younger generations is because they're more open to admitting they're struggling. I, I wonder if there's something has, in that. Yeah, I think Owen has made a very valid point there because younger people are more open to speaking about um, their mental health and the challenges. Um, I recently launched a report for Pieta in relation to the work they had done during 2022 and two thirds of those people who looked to Pieta for support were female and one third were male. And I think there are challenges there with especially middle-aged men asking them, you know, to reach out for supports. Last Sunday was um, International Men's Health Day um, that we celebrated and we were talking about trying to encourage men of all ages to reach out and it's great to see that the young people are. Uh, Men and women when it Mm. comes to that uh, younger age bracket 15 to 24 there's a remarkable difference Mm. in in, not necessarily in how they feel but in how they report they feel anyway um, about a quarter of young women aged 15 to 24 report negative mental health scores and it's only a little over 10% for men. Yeah. Now, uh, either there's a huge difference in how they feel or there's a huge difference in how they are reporting how they feel. Yeah, and I think it is how they're reporting how they feel because if you were to look last year for the amount of people that died by suicide, 411 people died by suicide, which is hugely complex and it's so devastating for families. But 331 were male mm. and the rest were females. So fast that 80. So, you know, that. That, that tells a different story. I know we're not talking about suicide here. We're yeah. talking about well-being. Sometimes people conflate well-being and emotional distress as well. And, you know, it's not your mental health is affected. It's just your everyday life. And you might have a breakup with your partner. You might lose your job or you might be challenged, you know, f- uh, financially. And an awful lot of what we see is that people are distressed, but they recover from it. Okay, so maybe, and again, this isn't to be dismissive of any young person's concerns, because you say there's there's severe concerns out there and and, uh, referrals to CAMS and everything would would bear that out. But maybe they've got um, a slightly lower bar as to what they would 
consider kind of a mental health problem that somebody older may mm. understand the nuances and realise yeah. listen this is mm. just maybe mm. stress or anxiety mm. this isn't mm. acute enough to tick that yeah. box A lot of people conflate emotional well-being stress anxiety with people who have acute and enduring mental health challenges that have them every day of the year you know and are in the support Which I know is very frustrating for people yeah. who have those challenges because yeah, I've spoken to them on the show and, and they're yeah. all mm. you know they, they don't want to be dismissive of, of, of people who've got you know anxiety and stress to deal with but they kind of feel it devalues a little the struggles they go through. It does and they do struggle and you know and if you have an enduring mental health difficulty and you can live very well with an, a, a mental health difficulty and recovery is possible but you can't conflate that with something like I remember during Covid when people used to say my mental health is affected because the pub is closed. It's not. Your emotional well-being is affected. Mm. It's the fact that your normal routine is out of kilter and you're finding it hard to put in the time. But I do think we can conflate both. But seeing that 80% of people reported a good quality of life, that's positive. Yeah, and and, and to go back to the point we made at the outset, I mean, it's a remarkably healthy snapshot uh, Mm -hmm. of the nation and we've the highest life expectancy, I think, um, within Europe. Um, One of the other concerning figures, though, is so smoking rates have kind of plateaued in recent years, about 18% of people smoke. Vaping, though, is on the way up. Vaping is on the way up. And it's the young lads and the young ones who are vaping. So vaping has increased from last year from 6% to 8%. But interestingly, 18% of those who vape are aged 15 to 24. And like, I suppose when vapes were introduced first, it was to support people to stop smoking. Whereas now we have a whole generation who might yeah, have smoked. Yeah, not many of those 15 are, are trying to give up the 20 major. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it. And, uh, you know, that, that's it. And I suppose look, one of the things that Minister Donnelly has done is introduce legislation to ban um, single vapes under 18s. And I think that will be uh, very positive. I wonder as well, I mean, could you foresee a, a, a future where they're only available like Nicorette is or something? Mm. You know what I mean? You, the, like the there, there are other kind of um, products available to help people off cigarettes, but there's not 15 year olds going around chewing Nicorette. No. Because no. they have to go into the pharmacy and it's just much more complicated and they're more expensive. Mm. You go into any supermarket or shopping centre and there's kind of vapes being. Well, I know Minister Donnelly is doing a lot on, yeah. of work on this and I think that would be the ideal because, you know, you have young, you have, you have younger than 15. So this survey started at age 15, but you have younger, you have younger than 15 year olds um, using vapes and they might be bubblegum flavour or, or they might be raspberry flavour or whatever. And, you know, there's an attraction there. Mm. Um, and like that's a high percentage, 18%. That's nearly one in five young people aged 15 to 24 who are currently using so the cigarettes. So the plan is to get rid of all the flavours mm. and to restrict where they're sold and how they're marketed Absolutely. I take it as well. Yes, especially single use ones because you're just buying them and you're disposing them and that's the legislation currently at the moment which is just going into the Shannon now. Uh, there's so much in this mm. that I, you know we could talk about we could dig into this interesting stuff about GP visits down for children despite the fact that uh, you know more and more children now have free access uh, to the GP. Uh, I did want to ask about antibiotic use because I understand mm. the CMO as well um, uh, brought this up herself uh, earlier. About 40% of people in this country think an antibiotic will cure a viral illness. Yes, and she was very, she, she spoke about that at length this morning, that that came true in the survey, because I suppose, you know, if you're using antibiotics constantly, they're not going to have the effect they should have when you do need them. And that came true in the survey, 40%. So two in five people surveyed yeah. felt that um, the antibiotics would, would sort you and out. It, it's borne out in, in antibiotic use. because mm. so, so it went way down during COVID. People were just not getting sick because we were isolating from each other. Um, but it, it's gone way back up again. 
But what's spreading since we all started mixing together more than bacterial illness, there's some bacterial illness spread because of mixing, but it's mostly viral illness. So people are getting sick with the viral illness and GPs tell you this. They go in, the GP says an antibiotic will do nothing for you, but they won't leave unless they get their antibiotic. Yeah, and like 41% have taken an antibiotic in the last 12 months. And it also says women in almost all age groups are more likely than men to have taken an antibiotic. And 78% correctly agree that antibiotics kill bacteria. But again, 40% felt that they would help with a virus and they don't. Yeah, there's no way 40% of the population have had a bacterial infection in the last 12 months. You know, <laughs> to justify antibiotics. Anyway, it is a problem. It's why the CMO uh, brought it up today. Uh, but listen, as you said, it, it gives a snapshot um, of the health of the nation and an incredibly healthy nation, uh, despite some of the problems you'd see around mental health and vaping and antibiotic use. And there was one other little piece in it in relation to alcohol. Um, binge drinking has reduced from 27% in 2018 to 24% in 2023 in the past 12 months. Now, that's still one in four. Um, mm. that are binge drinking, but it has reduced by 3%, which has to be welcomed. Mary Butler, Minister of State in the Department of Health with responsibility for mental health and older people. Fianna Fáil TD as well. A minister, thanks a million for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.